who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So they built this this small room. Now, prophets in the Old Testament were representative of the Word of God. They didn't have this book then. (laughs) They didn't have all these pages and everything written down. So the prophet was a very important person because he he portrayed what the Word of God was. And I mean, they met with kings and they met with armies and all, all these different people. And they even had schools of prophets. Okay, so... So when you think about this, she's making room for the Word of God. She's making a room for the Word of God. And I want to pray over that for us here this morning. God, I just pray, Lord, that we're able to make room in our hearts for what you want to say to us. God, I pray this morning that we furnish our lives with your Word. That your Word, Lord, falls on open hearts. Lord, that we make room for what you want to do in our life. God, we recognize that your word is full of promise, that you are full of promises, God, and you are a good God that wants good things for us. Lord, help us to to recognize that room today and to receive, Lord, the word that you have for us. Give me the words to say, Lord, by your spirit, that they fall on open hearts and open minds that are seeking after you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So like I said, they built this room on top of the house. And so Elisha, anytime that he would come by, he would stop by this room and he would stay there. And now this woman already knew. I mean, he didn't need to tell any stories. Whenever he walked into the place, she knew, I know that this is a man of God. She could see it all over this guy. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11, we see, One day when Elijah came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. This was her, uh, where she was from, a Shunammite. So he said to him, tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on behalf, your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? So here's Elijah this prophet, great man of God. I mean, he speaks literally a chapter earlier. We see him basically win a battle for the army, telling them what to do. I mean, this guy talks to the kings. He talks to the armies. He's got connections, okay? But at the beginning, we do see that she's called a well-to-do woman. Or in other translations, she was a leading lady in the community. So she, she already has pretty good status in life. She has a nice house. I mean, obviously, she, she has people, a servant, which we'll find later, and, and they have, you know, nice things, and they're able to, to bring him in and build a room onto their house for him to stay in. But he recognizes that, that she's made room for him, that she's made room for the Word of God. And, and that's important. And so, anyway, he, he says to her, listen, I, I can do all kinds of stuff for you. What do you want? Do you, do you need anything? Like, is there something that I can say to the king? Listen, I can increase your status. I mean, I, I'm the man of God. I can tell you what a promise is for your life. I can tell you that. I mean, God speaks through me. 
So she, so we see him ask her that. But what does she say? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Or I like this message translation. She said, nothing. I'm secure and satisfied in my family. Now, I want to tell you something. You might be sitting here today and you say, you know what? I'm secure. I'm satisfied. I got some money in the bank. Maybe you're coming to retirement or maybe you get to play golf every week, Larry. <laughs> but, but some of us, we, we sit back and we say, you know what? No, 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 I'm good. Like, I, I see church every week. Thing, things are going good in my life. Like, I'm, I'm satisfied. And it's good to be content. It's good to be content and know that God is God and be content in that. But there's a difference with what this woman is saying. There's a difference in that because what she's saying isn't, no, 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 I'm good, I'm content. What she's saying is, listen, I've prayed about stuff before and and I'm, I'm okay, all right? I've got some nice things. I mean, I'm a leading lady. I don't really need the the king to tell me anything or the, the commander of the army or anything like that. So she's saying, I'm good. But let me tell you, God starts to put in your heart discontent when he wants to do something in your life, when he's working on something and he's working on you. And that's what he does in these moments. I mean, she says that to him, and this is to the servant Gehazi. She says, you know, I'm secure. I'm satisfied. Life is good. But really, there's something in her heart that she hasn't said. You know, a a few words say a lot when you just say, I'm satisfied. She didn't say my cup overflows. She didn't say that, you know what, things are going so good that I'm ministering to people, that God is good, he's really working in my life. She didn't say that. She said, you know what, life is good. I'm doing okay. And I want to stir you this morning, like maybe you're sitting in this seat and you've been, I've been to church every week for the last two years. I've heard this before. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But really, are, are you believing that? Because he wants more for you. God is an abundant God. He has promises for your life if you're willing to look for them. I mean, I don't want you to sit in your seat here today and think, oh, yeah, that's nice. Ooh, look at that picture of the door. Uh, Val did a great job with the the picture. You know, that's not the point of this. The point of this is we're going to be on the edge of what God's doing. All right? We're not satisfied with the status quo. And when we become satisfied with the status quo, we fall behind. We give an enemy a trap. We give him a spot where where we can be caught by him. So I want to encourage you that God wants to do above and beyond what you can imagine. Above and beyond. I mean, you can imagine one thing. You can have a dream, but he can do even more and even greater. And we see that in his word. And his word is full of God's promise. So then we get to the point here, 2 Kings 4.14, where it says, What can be done for her, Elijah asked, which he's asking Gehazi. Gehazi said, Well, she has no son and her husband is old. That's kind of rude. (laughs) First of all, but, but her, you know, that, that's really, he, he sees, you know what? In this culture, having a son meant so much. I mean, inheritance, name. I mean, they're leading people of, of the community, and yet they have no inheritance to give to. They have nobody to, to give all this to. And, and really, God knows the desires of your heart. God knows the desires of your heart. You want to know why? Because he put them there. God is that good of a God that he put him there. 
I mean, Psalm 37, 4, I mean, it says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you delight in him, he gives you those desires because he planted them there. Psalm 139 says that he created your inmost being. He knows you to the atom, (laughs) to the cellular level of who you are. So he's put something in your heart. And I want to, I want to stir you right now. I want to say, what's the dream God put in your heart? He puts promises in your hearts. He gives you promise. There's something that stirs you. There's something that moves you. There's something that encourages you. Let that stir up today. Don't be satisfied with the status quo. He knows the desires of your heart. He knows it. Second Kings 4.15, it says, Then Elijah said, Call her. So he called her and stood in the doorway. You're standing in a doorway. A doorway a lot like that, where the door's partially cracked open. You can see the light coming through. I mean, imagine her coming up the steps. This is an upper floor room. She's coming up the steps. She sees the door cracked. She knows that the man of God's in there. She knows that there's promise waiting in that room, and yet she stands at the door. All of us are standing at a door today. All of us have, have maybe just barely caught a glimpse of what the promise is. Isn't that how God works sometimes, though? He doesn't, why doesn't he just give it all to us? Why doesn't he share the big picture? You want to know why? Because we can't handle the big picture. We're humans. We're humans. We're not godly beings. We don't have a heavenly perspective. What we do get is glimpses of heaven. Glimpses of heavenly perspective. So then Elijah says, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. Man, that's big. I mean, I read that, and, and I just think, I mean, she's probably weak at the knees right now. I mean, my, my husband's old. Sarah and Abraham, Sarah laughed when, when she was given that promise. And yet, in this moment, I, I couldn't imagine standing in the doorway and hearing something that sounds impossible. Something that sounds, no, 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 you, you don't understand. You don't understand, God. Like, no, that's not, that's not possible. That's too big. That's too big. And sometimes God has us just standing in the doorway and we just get a glimpse. We just get a glimpse of what he's saying. I mean, really, she didn't get pregnant yet in this moment. She got a glimpse. She got a promise from the word of God. I remember it was about three and a half years ago that I got a similar glimpse from God. I was finally, finally getting into God's word daily. I was reading devotions. I was getting into his word. At that point, I was working for a physical therapy company. And sitting at my desk, I had a region of clinics, so I would, I would come back to the office and then just be at my desk. And in that morning, it was probably about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. I can remember exactly how I was sitting, reading my Bible. And to this day, I can't remember what, what scripture it was. I can't remember what exact scripture it was. But I'm reading my Bible, and I'm at that place of discontent, just like this woman was. Even though she says, yeah, I'm satisfied, there was a level of discontent. She didn't have a son. I felt the same way. Something was happening. God was stirring in my life. God wanted to do something with me. I knew it, but I didn't know what. I had no idea. God, God what are you doing? Like, I, I'm, I'm getting into your word. I'm going to church. I'm praying. I'm seeking you. And yet, I'm just 
it's just not quite settled. Yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm making okay money. I have a good job. I have a wife and, and a new baby, which was Eden at that point. And uh, they're at home getting ready in the morning. And I'm like, God, what are you doing with my life? I'm reading through scripture and God gives me two words, encourage and edify, encourage and edify. Man, I thought I got hit by a brick. (laughs) It was like something got thrown into my chest and I'd sit there in my seat like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's it. It, it, it's like I got a heavenly perspective for a moment. I got a glimpse of a promise. And, and I get this moment in my, in my heart that I'm like, that's it. That's it. I, I remember that moment. How about it, honey? I called my wife up. And, and I call her up. I'm like, honey, guess what? And, and she's like, what? I'm, I'm busy getting eaten ready. What is it, Chris? Be quick. You know, you know your wife when you're there with the kids. Like, come on, let's hurry this up, Chris. All right, so I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I, I got a word from God. I know what I'm supposed to do with my life. She goes, what? I, I said, encourage and edify. It was like silence on the other end of the phone. Uh, what does that mean? I said, I don't know, but that's what I'm supposed to do with my life. You know, it was just that moment where everything clicked in my heart. I knew what I was supposed to do. I just had a glimpse. I didn't know what the end of the promise looked like. Look at me right now. I've probably said encourage like 2,000 times during this message already. I get to encourage you. My job is to edify the church. God is that good on his promises. He is that good. I mean, I sat there in that chair that morning and I was in tears. I knew what I was supposed to do. I actually printed out those two words, encourage and edify, put them on my computer. And let me tell you, those two words were signposts in my life. I mean, I'd come up again and I'd be like, oh my gosh, there it is again. There it is again. And you'll find that with God's promises. You'll find that he keeps putting them like like stop signs in the road saying, oh, there's another stop. Here it is. You know, and, and that's how awesome he is. But you know what we do a lot of times? We do exactly what this lady says in 2 Kings 4. Um, it's actually the second half of 16. So she gets this promise, she gets a glimpse, she looks through the doorway, and yet this is what she says. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. How often do we do that? I know Thomas is laughing because he knows the feeling. How often do we get a promise from God and we say, that's too much? It's impossible. It's too big. I mean, this guy, this woman's husband is too old to reproduce. Like, they, they can't physically do this. And yet, he's promising a son in the future. I mean, I, I felt that moment, and, like, I knew God had something for me, but yet I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let me tell you about another story about our son, Gray. He is a cutie pie. He was in here this morning, came running, Dad, you know. He's the cutest thing in the world. But when he was first born, he had a lot of difficulties. He was in the NICU for a while. We were in and out of the hospital. He had 28 ear infections in his right ear by the time he was one years old. 28. And he had tubes put in as early as you can get them, which was about six and a half months, seven months. They didn't even want to put them in that early. But that is a picture of about a year ago, I was in the hospital with him. Britt doesn't like going in the hospital. It's, it's just not comfortable when you watch your son 
getting um, spinal taps, blood taken. He had skin diseases at that point, and he's we probably had about seven to nine medications that he was on, and yet he was only young. He was really young. And that, that I, I remember that feeling of, of not knowing and being like, God, what are you doing in this? Like, this is my son. This is my son I'm holding. And, and I would watch him. I mean, he was dehydrated there, and I, I just felt so bad. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And I remember one day... Uh, we got around in our living room when we had gotten back from the hospital and it was our family and Holly, uh, Britt's sister was in town and we were sitting there on the couch and uh, me and Britt had been crying. We just were so frustrated with life. Like, like God, what are you doing here? Like, we're, we're trying so hard. Like, this is so much work to get through. And, and as we, we sat there and as a family, we just began praying. We just began praying out. We, we held hands on him and prayed over our son. And God overwhelmingly filled us with something that day, that this boy was going to grow up to have compassion, more compassion than I, I feel like I'm fa- fairly compassionate. But I believe in that moment that we got filled with a promise that says this boy is going to have compassion beyond what any of us in the family have. He is just going to feel for people. He's going to feel for people that I can't even feel for. I mean, we just felt this overwhelming sense of compassion, that word compassion. So here we are a year later, and now we have that. (laughs) I got a glimpse of a promise. That doesn't look like a compassionate child right there. You know? Yet... Yet here we are, and yes, we do get glimpses. I know Nani is sitting there saying, L- listen, <laughs> he, he's a good boy. He's got, you know, he does. We have glimpses of compassion, but we have to remember to stand on that promise that God's given us sometimes when we look into that face and we're like, oh, just have some compassion, boy. <laughs> but still, we, we have that, you know, in, in our son, and we have that promise that's in our hearts, and we got a glimpse. We look through the doorway. So we got an opportunity to just peer through the door. We haven't seen what the end of the promise looks like. You know, we, we see the light coming through. We know that there's something good beyond the door. We've heard a little bit. We got a, a second of heavenly perspective on it. But now what? Now do we sit in? Now, let me tell you, do not abort the dream that God's impregnated you with. Do not abort the dream God's impregnated you with. He's put that there for a purpose. He's given you a glimpse for a purpose. And a lot of times we're like this lady. We say, no, 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 Lord. You don't understand. I've prayed about this. I, I, I know. I get it. I get it. But yet God's put a promise in our heart. Maybe it's about your business. Maybe it's about your finances. Maybe God's given you a dream, uh, some, somebody from your family. Maybe it's somebody that that you know is going to come to the Lord. Maybe it's a promise for somebody in your family that you know is real. Like, like me for my son, I know he's going to have compassion. I will stand on that promise, especially when I've seen the promises of God in the past. I mean, told me to edify and encourage, and here I am edifying the church, encouraging you. That's what I'm doing because God's promises are good. So let's look at this. Second. Second Kings 4.17. After she says, no, 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 this can't happen. What do you know? But the woman became pregnant. (laughs) 
And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. There she receives, she receives at that moment the promise of God. Uh, I mean, that, that day must have been quite a celebration to know that you couldn't, you couldn't have kids anymore, and yet God does something like that and puts them in your arms. I mean, there's a reason why God's word says that she held him. You know, it's not because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, oh, there's the promise. Yeah, he's in the next room. I can imagine that this woman was there, was there holding her promise. She got a chance to see him. She got a chance to hold him and realize, wow, this is real. God's word is true. God's word is true. But the next thing we see, the child grew. And one day... He went out to his father, who was with the reapers. My head, my head, he said to his father. His father told his servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. So she she got a chance to hold her promise again, but promise was dead. It didn't seem like it had any life. And yet she's holding yet again in her lap. She sees the birth, and then she thinks there's there's the death of her promise. You know, I get that word from God, encourage and edify. And uh, at that time, I was helping to start a charity through the company and, and uh, thought that things were going pretty well. And, and then I lost my job. And then I had trouble... Uh, Supporting my family. Yes, I stood on God's promise and I realized how good he was. But uh, that next year was super hard. And then Gray was coming along. And so I lose my job about three months before we have Gray. And then we have all these medical things going on with Gray. I'm just doing what I can just to get by. You know? And I remember one day... I was in a zoot suit. I was in a coveralls, and it was snowing. It was a snowstorm outside, and I was working. I was taking truckloads of trash back to a fire pit. I mean, probably like 20 loads, like truckloads full of junk that I was burning that day in the middle of a snowstorm, cold with my coveralls on, and just listening to worship music in my pocket, which I often do. And I remember in that moment, I, I literally was out in the middle of a field in a snowstorm. And, and I remember just kneeling down on my knees like this. And just I just broke. I just cried. And I said, God, like you told me, you told me this was real. You told me that I was going to edify and encourage people when I'm dumping trash in the back of a field. I don't even talk to people all day. You know, I knew what God had planted in my heart, and yet I stood in that moment, you know, thinking that, that my promise was dying. You know, I'm like, God, like you're prom- you promised me, and yet a year later, here I am. I'm on my knees, and, and I'm seeking you. I'm seeking after you. I know that I'm praying. I mean, I'm literally listening to worship music right now. I'm speaking out loud. I mean, the people on the, the other side of the field probably thought this crazy person was there. I'm like yelling out, God, like why? In the middle of the field of a snowstorm next to burning trash. <laughs> you know, it, it's that moment where you think, you know, my promise is dead. My promise is dead. 
And I also believe that some of you are here today thinking that your promise died. Thinking that, yeah, I've received, I've received, plenty of people have prophesied over me. Plenty of people have told me this is going to happen. You know, I read it in God's word. Okay, Chris, I get it. But no, I'm saying you don't get it. Because I sat in that moment too. And I said, God, why? My promise is dead. You gave me these words. And I've been standing on your word. And I've been going after what you're saying to go after. I've seen the road signs along the way. And yet I'm holding a dead promise. I'm holding a dead promise. And then we see what she did next. In verse 21. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then shut the door and went out. You know, there, there was actually faith in that moment. Similar to when I was down on my knees, crying out to God, saying, God, why, God, why? You know what you do in that moment? You take your promise and you hand it to the promise maker. You put it in the hands of the one who promised it to you, God. You put it in the room. I mean, that's why I've called this the room of promise. I mean, we see glimpses into the room. Maybe you've received your promise. Maybe you think your promise is dead. But in that room is where you received it. In that room is where you know God's goodness is. In that room is the man of God who's got God's word, which is truth. And the the only thing she knew to do in that moment was to take her promise and to put it in the hands of the one who made the promise. To just lay him on the bed. I mean, at this at this time, this boy is dead. I mean... By, by what scripture says, you know, he might have died of a heat stroke or something like that. But they, we, we lay him in that moment. So is that the end of the story? It rarely is with God's word. It's not the end of the story for, for her or the boy. So then we see she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Here's his response. <laughs> Normal response. Why go to him today? <laughs> you know, the boy, the boy is dead. And he says, it's not the new moon or the Sabbath. Here's what she says. It's all right, she said. King James Version says, it is well. Here she says, it's, it's, it's okay. Listen, it's okay. Again, another level of faith you know, which we get filled with at times to just keep us going. Like, listen, I don't know. I have to go do this thing. You know, I know that that's what's in my heart, and it, it's, it's okay. It, it is well. It is well with my soul. So she says, it's all right. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Uh, from Shunem to Mount Carmel is about 20 miles. So this woman saddles up on a donkey with all of her stuff and and sends out. It takes a donkey about 15 to 20 minutes to walk a mile, fully loaded. So it probably took, if she didn't stop, six hours. If you're anything like me, I need some food <laughs> in six hours. So I'm sure she stopped. I mean, this was this wasn't a short trip. It's not like she went to the town next door and was like, you know, come on back. Like, I need you to come back with me. Like, she traveled to find the man of God that had given her the promise of God. 
and recognizing that she needed to do something about this, that she knew she received a promise, but yet she thought that her promise was dead. She thought that, that God was done, like it, it was over. So she saddles up this donkey, goes there. When he, which is Elisha, saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, Are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? So here's a servant running out and saying, like, Hey, hey, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay? Like, why did you come? I mean, the lady rolled a donkey that far. Why did you come all this way? What's her response? It doesn't make any sense to me when I first read over this. It says, everything's all right. Again, King James Version, she's saying, it is well. It is well. You know, my daughter Eden likes to sing, it is well. It's a, a, an awesome Bethel song that she sings. And, and it, it really is a neat, a neat song. But it, it's that moment where all these other things are happening. You know, all the things are crashing around you. I'm kneeling in the snow you know, with uh, coveralls just getting poured snow on. I'm dirty, I'm messy, I'm stinky. And yet, after I stood up from that, I'm worshiping God, and I got that, that same feeling as, as well. It is well. You know what? I, I can stand on God. I can stand on His promises. I don't know what's happening right now. I have no idea what direction God is taking me. I do know the promise He's gave me. I've seen glimpses of it. So in that moment, sometimes we just have to realize it is well. God is in control. He's still in control. He's the one who created us. He's the one who created our desires like we talked about. He's the one that gave the promises. He's the one in this story who gave her the promise. So she can stand on that and say, you know what? It is well with my soul. I mean, how many of you can stand here and say that today, that it is well with my soul? You're standing there thinking that your promises are broken, that God, God said something in your life, and you're like, no, it, it, it's gone. It's not here anymore. I mean, I had the child. The child died. The child died. How many of you in that moment can say, it is well? I mean, that takes some great faith to say, it is well when the storms are hitting you, when you're being crashed on, and yet you're still just barely trying to hang on to God's promises. I mean, it's like you're out there on the flagpole going like this, just holding on, and yet the wind is trying to whip you and pull you right off. I mean, that's what it feels like in life sometimes. Sometimes it feels like, God, what, what are you doing? I'm, I'm still holding on to this promise. I, I thought, I, you know what, it's looking dead, but I'm still holding on. I love this part. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So here this lady comes up, and she keeps telling everybody everything's okay. And then she gets there, and and she's crying, and, and she's in distress. She's at his feet. And he finds out the real story. He finds out what happened. Even though sometimes you're saying, it is well, it is well. You're trying to push through and you're just saying, I'm going to stand on God's promise. I'm going to stand on on God's promise. Sometimes we come to the altar and we cry. Sometimes even though you're standing on God's promise, you know that God said something to you. 
And yet you, you think it's dead and you come in here and you just lay it out at the altar and, and you cry. You cry before God. You might be reading your devotion and, and you're like, God, what are you doing? Like, even though you're saying to yourself, it is well, it is well, God is working. I, I know God is good. And plenty of us sit in that place where we say, you know, God's good. God's good. God's good. God's good. Do you feel that way? Do you believe that today? Do you think that he's good on his promises? I mean, this woman traveled hours to find this man just to tell him about this. I mean, her, her expectation, like, what, what's he supposed to do? What's this man supposed to do? I mean, yes, he is a great prophet of God. Yeah, he's won things for the king and the armies, and, and he has some pretty high standards for the people that he hangs out with. And yet, what, what is he going to do? What's her expectation in this moment? She says to him, Did I ask you for a son, my lord? She said. Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? I mean, there's where her real emotions came out. It's almost like the Psalms. You read through Psalms and it's like, whoa, up and down and up and down. And our emotions can get get that way sometimes. I mean, the songs of David at the beginning of the Psalm, he's like, oh, life is about ready to kill me. And then by the end, he's like, but praise God, you know, and, and that's what we feel like. That's what we see going on in her life. And and that's that's normal. But sometimes we stay in that place. Sometimes we stay in that place of low, low, you know, that we're in the valley all the time. That, that we no longer are praising God in those moments. But anyway, she says, didn't I ask you for, did I ask you for a son? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak in your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. So this great man of God, tells his servant, go off and do this. Which many a times in Scripture we see that happen. I mean, he sends the servant off to do a whole bunch of stuff. He says, take my, take my staff, go off, and go ahead and put, lay it on his face. But, I love when I see but in God's Word. It says, but the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and he followed her. What, what changed his mind? Why did he get up and follow her after that? I mean, there was a, a moment there where he said what he said. I mean, the, the servant's supposed to go off and lay the staff over the face. Why did, that, why did that change his mind? Why did Elijah decide to get up and go and be a part of this thing? Well, as I was preparing this message and I was praying over this, I was sitting here in my office, I thought to myself, I'm like, I've heard those words before. That sounds really familiar. And I'm thinking back and, and I, start, I start going back a couple chapters. So I go back to 2 Kings 2. And, and this is where Elijah, Elijah is taken up to heaven. That's where the mantle is passed on. And I'm just kind of scrolling back through Scripture and then it hits me. I read Second Kings 2, 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elijah, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. 
Wow. How awesome is God? I mean, in that moment, I mean, I doubt she knows Elijah's past. I doubt that she knows that Elijah had said that in this moment. Not only does he say that in this moment, a few, a few uh, verses down, he says it again. I'm going to Jericho. Elisha replies, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. There's number two. Then he goes, then he says, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. Three times. And then they cross over the Jordan. Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind to heaven, okay, by chariots of fire. (laughs) And Elisha there is witnessing and the mantle drops, the cloak drops to the ground and he picks it up. You know what he asked for? Finally, in 2 Kings 2, 9, when they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. Elijah said, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. He, Elijah says to him, if you see me when I go, you will receive this. Now, a double portion, it sounds like, like man, he won't, and we know from Scripture that he ends up doing like a, a double portion of miracles, like a, a double the amount of miracles. But really, what he's asking for in that is, is what a son would get. A firstborn son in that time would get double the inheritance, okay? But he's not asking for inheritance like money. He's like, I, I want what you have, but I, w- I want more. I want more. So you know what happened in that moment when that lady says, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. What caused him to get up? Elijah recognized that fulfillment of his promise was back in that room too. That that room wasn't just for her promises. I mean, that was a room of promise. He knew in that moment, you know what? Something clicked in him. Something said, you know what? I got to go back with this lady. I mean, that moment, it says, so he got up and he went. It wasn't like he thought about it or, or he said, you know what? My servant can do this. Listen, I'm the man of God. I know better. Take the staff, put it over his face. No, he stood up and he recognized, you know what? My promise lays in that room too. I know that I have to get there. It was a signpost. Like me for my edify and encourage. It's like those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, there it is again. There it is again. There's the glimpse. You know, the doorway is partially open. I can see, you know, there's something there. There, There's a promise there. I know it's in there. So we go back to 2 Kings 4. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. You know what that is? That's religious spirit. That's going through the motions. That's not having the anointing and doing it. That's going back and being like, listen, he told me to lay this over his face. Nope, nothing, you know. And, and doesn't that, don't we feel that way sometimes? We just keep going through the motions. I mean, it, religion isn't Christianity. Christianity is, is, a, is a relationship. It's an anointing. It's, a, it's God putting his stamp of approval on our lives of relationship with him. I mean, it's us having a relationship with Christ Jesus. That's what it is. You can't go through the motions and expect your promises to be resurrected. That's not how it works. You have to know the promise maker. You have to have the promise maker present in the room to make it happen. And how do you do that? You invite him in. 
You invite him in. How do you, how do you get to your room of promise? You have to invite him into the room. You have to know that his presence is there. You have to know that he's good on his promises. And you have to believe that. And you have to be like Elisha and say, get up. I got to go do this. So then we say, when, when Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in and shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and stretched upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. He had brought back the promise to life. Not only had he brought back the promise to life in that room, but he also fulfilled some of his promise. You know, how awesome is that room? I mean, he was shutting the door with promises that just wanted to explode. And you know why it took him two times to do that? Does anybody know why it took him two times to do that? Neither do I. (laughs) And that's okay. You know, we actually see that Elijah, his spiritual mentor, did something very similar. It took him three times. You know, why? I don't know. You can't make a theology about something like that. You have to recognize that God is is ever changing in the fact that his spirit is always moving. His spirit is always doing something new. I mean, we are a new creation in Christ. It, It doesn't mean that, you know, when we, Jericho, they marched around the walls seven times. So, you know what, I want to buy this house. I'm going to march around it seven times. Or, you know, it's just start to make um, make doctrine out of something like that. Now, if God lays that on your heart, if you recognize that God's made a promise and you're supposed to do something, I prayed for somebody that's here in the room, and I blew on her back. I felt God tell me to blow. Uh, now, don't, get, uh, don't come to the altar and expect I'm going to blow on your back. I won't do that here. But, but listen, there was a moment where I felt so clearly God tell me to do something. I knew I was supposed to do it. Now, every time I go around praying for people, I don't blow on their backs. That's weird, you know. But, but there was that moment that God put something in my heart that I knew I was supposed to do this. Like, I knew I was supposed to do this. I mean, Elijah's in the room doing the same thing. He's praying over it, and he gets up. He walks back and forth. He's like, what am I doing wrong? What, what's going on? And he's like, you know what? I'm going to be persistent in this. I know this is a room of promises. And be persistent in your room of promises. God's good on his word. God's word is truth. Sometimes you're going to have to come to it two, three, four, five times before you see a fulfillment of the promise. And that's okay. God's working on you. God's working on the promise. It doesn't mean that you have the answer. It doesn't mean that in a moment it's going to happen. Praise God when it does, because it does happen. We've seen miracles where God does incredible things, but sometimes we have to be persistent in prayer as we're seeking it. So then Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite, and he did. When she came, he said, Take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. She took her son, once again, holding her son, holding her son, holding her promise, her resurrected promise in her arms. Resurrected promises in her arms, and she went on. I, I really believe, as I prepared this message, that some of you have a doorway that you've gotten a glimpse. Some of you have uh, are at a point where you're holding on to a dead promise and you think that it's going to come back to life, but you have to lay it over to the promise keeper. 
you have to give it over to him. For him to be able to do anything with that promise, you have to hand it to him. And some of you are looking for the promise to be resurrected. Some of you recognize that God's put something in my heart. I was kneeling in the snow saying, God, I know you, beyond knowing you put this in my heart. I mean, I've left everything else. I left the, I mean, I have a degree in medicine and, you know, I have all these things going for me in this direction. I left it all, Lord, just so I could be here. And yet I'm kneeling in the snow. What am I doing, Lord? Some of you are at that point. Some of you are at that point that that those promises you're looking for, you've been standing there and you're like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know you put this on my heart. Today, I believe promises will be resurrected. Today, I believe that as you respond to him, as you step out and you say, God, I know you put a glimpse in my heart. What are you going to do with this? Today, I believe somebody's going to receive a word from God for their life. I truly believe that. I've been praying for this moment here where I know beyond knowing that God's promises are true. God's promises are true. He's good on his promises. I stand here as a promise received. I get to encourage you. I get to edify you. I get to build you up. That's what we're called to do as Christians, build each other up. And that's what I get to do. And you know what? I stood on a promise that I received three and a half years ago to edify and encourage. And I saw it everywhere. Every moment that God was steering me, I saw edify and encourage. I stood on God's promise and I knew it was true because I knew I got a heavenly glimpse. And I believe today some of you will get a heavenly glimpse of what God's going to do in your life. Maybe it's about your finances. Maybe it's about family members. Maybe it's about a husband that hasn't yet come to the Lord. Maybe it's about... You know, who knows? But I believe God's promises are true. And you know what 2 Corinthians says? 2 Corinthians one twenty, For as many promises as the Lord makes, as many as he's made, they are yes in Christ. They are yes in Christ. Let's stand together today, believing that the promises today are yes in Christ. God, we just thank you that your promises are yes, that Jesus Christ is the answer, that that's how we know that the promises are true. That's how we know that God's working in our lives. That's how we know that the promises will be resurrected today. God, that's how we know that the glimpse that we got through the doorway is truth because it's yes through Christ. But we have to accept him. We have to know him before we can do anything else. It doesn't say it's yes in anybody else. There is nobody else that has the answer you're looking for. He uses us. It's through us at times, through words of wisdom and knowledge. God's word says that, but it comes from him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then the promises that are in your heart have yet to be stamped with the approval of yes. You can't yet say amen to the glory of God until you step forward and you say, Jesus, I leave it in your hands. God, I know it's you. God, I know I have to have a relationship with you before I can stamp it yes. So some of you here today, And I'm not going to point you out, but some of you here today have yet to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you did in the past. 
You've said yes, but you slipped away. His promise is true. He's a good God, and he wants good things for your life. I stand here and I look around this room and I see people of all ages. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter. His promise is still true. You're never too old to receive the promise and you're never too young to, to receive a glimpse of the promise. My son was not even a year old and I've seen a promise on his life. And I see promises on your lives. I mean, it's glowing this morning. I see you looking at me and, and smiling, and, but I know that God has something for each and every one of you. He purposed you here on purpose. You're here this morning for a reason. That's to have encounter with him. That's to know him. That's to see him. That's to feel him. That's to get close to Christ Jesus. Because without his resurrection, nothing else happens. Nothing. Everything else is going through motions. Everything else is putting a staff over their face and saying, come alive. But you need the anointing. You need Jesus. You need him in your heart and in your life. And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes to him. Let him into your heart. Allow him to move. Surrender yourself to him. Surrender yourself. When you say yes to him, he says yes to your promises. The desires are there. They're in your hearts.